He says, therefore, first of all, I urge that requests, prayers, this is First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. We talked about this the other day. He said, therefore, first of all, I urge that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people. And we said that prayer is what? Is a conversation between us and who? God. That's right. In the name of Jesus, Yeshua. We're, we're, we're praying. We're, get, we're having a conversation with God. We're talking to the Lord about what's in our heart. We're being completely honest with him. We're, we're making supplication. We're, making, um, we're, t- we're telling him all of what is in our heart. We're going to the Lord. We're being sincere. We're being genuine with him. Um, you know, we don't do ourselves any favors by not telling the Lord what all is in our heart, to be honest with him. It's like, for example, uh, you look at, you look at, you see a, a beautiful example of that with Samuel's mother, Hannah. And when she was pouring out her soul to the Lord uh, about having a son. And you look and you see in 1 Samuel in chapter 1, uh, he says in, in 1 Samuel 1, because uh, the other wife, um, Elkanah's other, other wife was really tormenting her and being ugly towards her because she couldn't have any children. So Hannah was, you know, was very grieved by this because she didn't have any children. The other wife had several children. And so she prayed when they went to the temple for their annual festival, annual sacrifice. Verse 12 says, and it came to pass. She said, uh, after eating in verse nine, after eating and drinking, first Samuel one, nine, after eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah got up. Now, Eli the Cohen, the priest, was sitting on his seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And while her soul was bitter, she prayed to Adonai and wept. So she made a vow and said, O Adonai Savot, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your handmaid and remember me and not forget your handmaid, but grant your handmaid a son, then I will give him to Adonai all the days of his life and no razor will ever touch his head. And it came to pass as she prayed long before the Lord, Adonai, that Eli was watching her mouth. Now Hannah was praying in her heart. Only her lips were moving. And Eli thought that she was drunk. Then Eli said, how long will you be drunk? But in response, Hannah said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman with an oppressed spirit. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. Instead, I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is pouring out our soul to the Lord, is telling God everything that's in our heart, telling God everything that's in our mind, the things that are bothering us, the things that are we're happy about, we're glad about, just pouring out our soul. Lord, how do I do your will here? How do I do your will there? I need guidance. I need, I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. I need your intervention here. How do I do this? How do I do that? It's being completely honest with God about everything that's in your heart like you would a father, because God is our father. And so when you come to your father and you talk to him, you know, like you're an earthly father, you should be able to come to your father and tell him everything that's on your mind. Many parents, many, many of us don't have that kind of relationship, but, you know, thankfully I do. But, you know, when I go, when we go to our heavenly father, 
We can tell him everything. We can pour out our soul to him. Everything that's in our mind, everything that we're dealing with and struggling with, we can go to God in prayer about it. And then when we're happy, when we're, when we're joyful, we also pray. So it's not just praying when something is wrong, but we're also praying when what? Some, when things go well as well. In 1 Samuel 2, you see that. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord most high. Because uh, what ended up happening is uh, she had a, she, God answered her prayer and had a son. She ended up having a son, Samuel. And then what's that prayer? The prayer, because of this, what God has done for her, what does Hannah do? She praises him. There's a prayer of praise and thanksgiving and exaltation. In First Samuel 2, he says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, and my horn is lifted high in Adonai. I smile wide over my enemies, for I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy as Adonai, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more proudly. Insolence comes out of your mouth. For Adonai, the Lord, is all is the all-knowing God, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the stumbling are girded with strength. Those full hire themselves for bread, but the starving hunger no more. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she with many sons languishes. Adonai causes death and makes alive. He brings down shield and raises up. Adonai makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and also lifts up. He raises the helpless from the dust. He lifts the needy from the dunghill to make them sit with nobles, granting them a seat of honor. For the earth's pillars are the Lord's, and he has set the world on them. He guards the steps of his godly ones. But the wicked are silenced in, the dar- in darkness. For no one, for one does not prevail by might. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them uh, in heaven. He judges the ends of the earth. He gives strength to his king, exalting the horn of his anointed one. So you see Hannah's doing what? Praising. She's happy. She's rejoicing. Why? Because God answered her prayer. God answered her prayer. So when you, when you hear, when God answers your prayers, you, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Glory be to your name. Glory be to your name. Thank you, Father. Oh, I praise you for answering me. You see, so that's prayer as well, when you're giving thanks to God. And you find that also in, um, at some point, you just, in, in, Luke, in Luke, you find that same thing. You find several prayers of praise and thanksgiving in, um, in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 and 3, uh, in Luke chapter 1 and 2. You find all kinds of prayers of praise and thanksgiving. So that's what prayer is. Prayer is pouring your soul out to God. And, and, and in those prayers, you're, re- you're having requests. You're praising him. You're thanking him for all the good things that he's done. Then you also have intercession. Intercession is when you are praying on behalf of somebody. So like, for example, if, if, uh, you know, if, 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 if a situation is going on, I'm like, Lord, touch Touch my son, touch my wife, touch my children, Lord. This situation is going on. Um, it's, it's what the Bible calls standing in the gap for somebody. Um, you have to be, sometimes we have to stand in the gap for, he, for each other. There's a gap sometimes between like when a person, uh, when a person is set up, separated from God. When a person doesn't have the Lord or when a person needs the Lord, we 
that means that there's like a gap between them and God. People who are not saved, there's a gap between them and God. People who need to know the Lord more, there's a gap between them and God. And so our sins separate us from God. That's what the Bible says. Your iniquities have separated you from the Lord. And so what happens is, is that we do what? We pray for that person to get victory over those sins so those gaps can be closed. And in Ezekiel 22:30, Ezekiel says this. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. The Lord says this, the people starting at verse 29, the people of the land have oppressed, have oppressively blackmailed, plundered and robbery, wronged the poor and needy and abused the outsider unjustly. I searched for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land so that I would not destroy it. But I found no one. So intercession is standing in that breach in that place where there is a gap between us and God. When we see, for example, that a person has issues with lying or issues with cheating or issues with pornography or issues with gossiping or issues with anger and unforgiveness and bitterness, whatever the whatever causing division, um, uh, uh, fighting, violence, get going to the club, going to places that they shouldn't be going. When we see people who, who have those issues, if they say that they're believers and they're still dealing with those things, then what do we do? We intercede. We go to God for them. We pray for them. We say, Lord, I pray for Billy, Lord. Please touch Billy. Convict him, God. Get him, give him grace to forgive. Help him to stop lying. Help him to stop cheating. Help him to stop fornicating. Whatever. We're going to God for them. We're praying for them. It's the same thing we do every night when we, when we do our prayer. We're praying every night on behalf of your future. And we're, and every day we're praying, we're praying on behalf of that person. We're standing in the breach because there's a breach. A breach is an opening. There's an opening. There's a gap between them and God because of their sin. And so what do we do? We step into that gap and pray for them and pray for that gap to be closed between them and God. That's what intercession is. You're interceding on their behalf. You see what I mean? Because we see what the scripture says about what's going to happen to people who live a particular way. We see we see what's going to happen to them. And so instead of just leaving them to their fate, what do we do? We pray for them. He says those, for example, in first Corinthians. I'm sorry. Yeah. First Corinthians in chapter six. In verse 9 through 10, Paul says this. He says, Or don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, Don't be deceived. The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, those who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanders, swindlers, people who trick people out of money. He's in none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Anybody who lives like this is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So we know people like this. We all know people like this. We know people who attend church who live and act like this. And so what do we do? We say, oh my goodness, the Bible says this is what's going to happen to you. So we go to God and say, Lord, 
please do whatever it takes to keep them from doing this any longer. Lord, please convict them. If you got to take away their health, if you got to take away their property, take away their money, take away their job, if you got to cause them to be injured or hurt, if you got to strike them with some kind of disease, if you got to do whatever you have to do to keep people from, uh, to keep them uh, from losing out on the kingdom of God, Lord, do it to save their soul. Do whatever it takes to save them, to stop them from being sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, whatever. Lord, convict them. If they're, they're not born again, Lord, save them. Save their soul from eternal hell. Lord, please do whatever it takes to get their attention. That's intercession. You're going to God on their behalf so they can be saved. If they've been born again and then they've gone back or they don't, they're still working things out, still trying to overcome these sins and stuff like that. You're going to God and saying, Lord, give them victory over your sin. If they're not saved, you're going to God and saying, Lord, save them from hell. Save them because they're going to hell. They don't have you in their life. They, they need to repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Yeshua. Please save them, Father. You see, and so this is the thing, the sexually immoral idolaters. So that's what we do. We pray for people. We go on to God on their behalf. And, and for people who are born again, who are trying to live holy, we still go to God on their behalf because there's still things they need to work, we need to work on too. Lord, cleanse my inner life. Cleanse my thoughts, Lord. Cleanse my motives. Let me be more attentive. Let me be more sensitive to you. Give me the grace to go the way of the cross more. You see, you're always interceding. So that's what that means. You're like Ezekiel, we read in Ezekiel 20. God is, we're standing in the breach for people. Right? Standing in the breach. And then Paul says, he says, prayers, requests, requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people. And he says, and thanksgiving, and that's another thing, being thankful to God for what he has done for us, being appreciative. And that's what God is looking for. God is looking for a response to him. He's looking for a response to his goodness. And see, and it's like, and it's not just with words. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But then you go and watch pornography. Thank you, Lord. I'm so appreciative for the job. But then you don't pay your taxes or try to cheat. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But then you live, you have a, uh, you, you, you lie. You see what I'm saying? Oh, that's not, that's not thanking God. That's not being thankful. How we are thankful is not just with our words, but with our lifestyle, how we respond to God. That's what the Lord's looking for. I done done all this for you. Now, how are you going to respond to me? Are you going to give me your life? Are you going to do what I tell you to do? Are you going to be obedient to my commandments? Are you going to love your neighbor? That's, that's thankfulness. You thank God by changing your behavior. You see, and this is why the Lord even, um, this is why the Lord cursed so many of those, um, so many cities, the Bible says, uh, where he did his miracles because they did not repent. He says in Matthew 11, there's several, um, several, uh, Matthew, several examples of this, but Matthew, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 21. He says this, he says, then Yeshua, verse 20, then Yeshua began to denounce the towns where most of his miracles had happened because they did not turn from their sins. 
You see, this is what he did miracles. He did most of his miracles in these places. Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, cleansing lepers. Jesus, Yeshua did all these miracles in these places. Raising the dead, healing the sick. Stuff that would never happen to these people. He, the causing the deaf to hear. Things that these people had never seen before. That's what he was doing for them. You see, he was doing things. He was healing them. He was doing miracles for them. And what did they do? They didn't stop sinning. They didn't respond. They didn't respond to him. You see, that's what the Lord is looking for. I'm doing this for you. How are you going to respond to me? Are you going to stop sinning? Are you going to just go on and keep doing what you want to do? And that's exactly what they did. Jesus did all this work. He did all this work. He did all this work for them. All this blessing and goodness. And then he says, what happened? They did not, they did not turn from their sins. Then Yeshua began to denounce the towns where most of his miracles had happened. Most of his miracles, not one or two. We're talking about in his life. He said most of his miracles were done in these places. Most of them. That tells, that's saying something. Where most of his miracles had happened because they did not turn from their sins. He says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. He says, for if the miracles done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have turned long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to heaven? No, you will go down to Sheol, that's the grave, for you, for if the miracles done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. And that's what Jesus is saying, Yeshua is saying, if I had done what I've done in your town in Sodom and Gomorrah, I would not have destroyed it all that time ago in the days of Lot. I was healed. If I, if I healed the sick and raised the dead, opened the eyes of the blind, opened the ears of the deaf, did all kinds of cleansed lepers, cast out demons. If I did all that in Sodom in the days of Lot and Abraham, they, Sodom and Gomorrah would still be here to this day. So, so what is that? What is he saying? He's saying that you're going to get it worse than they will because you you got these miracles and didn't repent. And it's the same thing with us. When God works a miracle in our life and intervenes in our life and blesses our life and does good to our life and we don't repent, we will be judged for that. We will get it worse than people who don't get the blessing, who don't get the intervention. We're going to get it worse because God intervened in our life and we didn't respond. That's the danger of hearing the word of God and not doing it. That's the danger of listening to preacher teaching and not doing it because that is God's intervention in our life. And when we don't respond appropriately by repenting, then what happens? We're going to be held to account for that. Woe to you, he says, woe to you. He says, Yeshua began to denounce the towns where most of his miracles had happened because they did not turn from their sins. And that's the whole point of miracles. The whole point of miracles is not just to clap your hands and celebrate and whatever. The whole point of miracles is to stop doing evil. That's the whole point. Repent. And so that's... Um, there's a th And that's what Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving is praising him 
It's thanking him. It's not complaining. The Bible says, give thanks to the Lord at all times. David says, give thanks to the Lord at all times. My, his praise shall continually be in my lips. So thanksgiving and praise go hand in hand with each other. It's where my heart is thankful. It's grateful to God for all that he has done for us. Oh, look at all this goodness that God has done for us. All this goodness. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. God has been good to us. He has blessed us. He has taken care of us. He has provided for us. He has made a way for us. Look at the life that you live. Look at the life that I live. God has taken care of us. He has been good to us and merciful to us. He has done things for us that he hasn't done for other people. He is good and kind and gracious to us. And the proper response for that is to, instead of, the proper response to that is to live holy and to do everything he commands us to do, to be obedient to him, to submit to him. And say, okay, Lord, I'll take up my cross and follow you wherever you lead me. That's the response. That's how, yes, Lord, you've done this for me. I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to stop doing the things that you hate. And then I'm going to do the things that you love. That's what being thankful is. It's, it's, it's expressing gratitude with your mouth, but it's then turning your life towards doing his commands. That's what Thanksgiving really is. The Lord, you can say, it's like, you see that in Isaiah chapter one, they were doing all this sacrifice and all the keeping of the feasts and doing all this stuff, but they were living like devils. God said, all that preaching that all that stuff that y'all are doing, that temple sacrifice and all that stuff, that means nothing to me because you're living like devils. You're living an unholy life. That's nothing. That's, that means nothing to me. So God wants a life first, then our words. As even he says that also in Ezekiel, he says with this, he says with their heart, even Jesus, Yeshua says it too. He says with their lips, these people praise me, but their heart is far from me. The Lord wants our heart. He doesn't just want our words. He wants our heart. He wants our way. He wants what we do. He wants our, our, our lifestyle. He wants our, he wants all of us, our entire life. He wants it. He says, this people honors me with their lips. And then this Matthew chapter 15, these heart, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's what happens when we use our lips. Oh, praise you, God, clapping your hands, clapping your hands, stomping your feet and doing all that stuff on Sunday. But then as soon as you leave the church or even before you leave it, you go right back to living like the devil. You go right back to living an ungodly, unholy, unsanctified life. You go right back. What's the point? There's no point. You're not, there's, that doesn't glorify God. That's not thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God is repentance and holiness. And then the words mean something. When I'm living a repentant, godly, holy, sanctified life, then when I say, thank you, Lord, it means something. And that is, that is the praise that God is looking for out of a holy and godly life. That's what the Bible says. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's how I worship the Lord. I worship him in that state, in the state of holiness. That's where I worship the Lord. He says, worship, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And that's um, Psalm 96 and verse nine. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship him. Psalm 96. 
It's only when my life is holy that my praise means something. And people have gotten that backwards. You got all these gospel awards, uh, all these gospel singers and all this so-called Christian music industry and all this kind of stuff. And these people don't love the Lord. They don't love God. They're, they're just as worldly as, as they can be because they haven't been taught this stuff. They haven't been taught. They haven't been trained properly. And that's what happens when you're not trained properly. I like the, um, I like the way the King, the King James reads it. He says, worship, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's how we ought to live. And that the beauty of holiness, that's and bow down to bow down. He says in, in this version here. Um, in the Tree of Life version, he says, bow down to Adonai in holy splendor, tremble before him all the earth, in holy splendor, that's how our lives ought to be, splendor, full of holy splendor, the light of holiness ought to be projecting from us, projecting from our life, and from that place, from that attitude, from that lifestyle, then I worship the Lord and bow down. Because that's the true bowing down. I'm bowing down my will. I'm bowing down my plans. I'm bowing down my desires. I'm bowing my self-will down to the Lord. And then from that place of bow down where I'm saying, not my will, but your will be done. Not my plan, but your plan. Not my goals, not my dreams, not my anything. From that place, I give thanks and praise to the Lord. That's when it's truth. That's when it's the truth. Not just saying it when in our lives don't match. So this is what this is prayer. This is what Paul, this is what Paul is referring to in First Timothy in chapter one and verse first uh, uh, Timothy chapter two and verse one. Therefore I first of all I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people. For kings, that's first of all, we need to pray for our leaders. Do all this for our leaders, requests, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving for kings and all who are in authority. So the president of the United States, we need to be praying for him. For all the people in Congress, we need to be praying for them. Our governors, our policemen, everybody, our ta even the ta tax people, everybody who's in authority over us, we need to be praying for them. Why? So we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and respectfulness. That's the goal. Societally, meaning that as a society, our goal should be to live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and respectfulness. That's it. Godliness and respect. Godliness and respect. That's what we should be trying to create in our community. And we do that by praying for godly, godly and holy leadership and praying for the leaders that we have if they're not born again to repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Yeshua. That's what we're doing. We're aiming, that's the ideal society where godliness and respectfulness reigns. That's what we want. That's what all of this, our holy life is, that's what we're trying to create. A bunch of us together, the church, in the country, in the, in the, in the state, in the county, in the city that we're in, we're trying to create a situation where the whole area, the whole city, the whole county, the whole town, the whole state, the whole country is what? Peaceful and quiet. Why? Not in evil, 
because all the opposition to righteousness has been crushed out and suppressed. No, not in evil, but in godliness and respectfulness. That's the ideal society, godly and respectful. And that's what we pray for. And that's what we live a holy life for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord God, to live such holy and godly lives before you that we, Lord God, are genuinely expressing thanksgiving to you, not just by our words, but by our behavior, by our holy and godly life. And then in truth, we can praise you. In truth, we can thank you. In truth, in truth, because it's, it's, it's the truth. It's honest. It's coming from within. It's not just this affected thing. We're being sincere. We're being honest before you. Father of heaven, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. Give us the grace to live holy and godly lives so we can create a peaceful and quiet community, a peaceful and quiet city, state, neighborhood, country that is what? Peaceful in godliness and respectfulness, Father of heaven. We could create a godly and respectful society by our holy and godly inner life. So, Father of Heaven, we love you, we praise you, we pray for grace, we pray for our leaders, we pray for our president, Father of Heaven, may he repent of his sins and be born again. We pray for Congress, Father, may they repent of their sins and be born again. Move on them, convict them, Father of Heaven, to make holy and godly decisions, to live a holy and godly life and make good decisions, Father. We pray for our governors, we pray for our police, Father, we pray for everyone who's in authority over us, that they would all repent of their sins and be born again in the name of Yeshua and from there live a holy and godly life in you. And then the result of that, we believe because your word says it, that we will live a peaceful and quiet life in all holiness, godliness, and respectfulness. We pray it in Yeshua's name. Amen.